0: This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's-
1: I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some perspectives. Prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit slash star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. Talk radio 1210, WPHD WPHD HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
0: Listen, 7 months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine.
2: Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie.
3: Good evening and welcome to Your Radio Doctor, the only all-medical talk radio show in the Philadelphia region. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. We thank our followers who formally listen every Sunday and hope they stay with us and welcome new listeners to our new home at 5 o'clock on Saturday evenings. Last week, we enjoyed an excellent update on hypertension, high blood pressure from Dr. Helene Glassberg from the University of Penn. Tonight, we continue this two-part series with an update on cholesterol, when you should consider having a coronary calcium test. We welcome the return of Dr. Helene Glassberg, Associate Professor of Medicine from Penn, where she's a cardiologist with a special focus in preventive cardiology and sports cardiology. In her effort to prevent heart disease, She looks at risk assessment, cholesterol management, and lifestyle modification. Dr. Glassberg lectures at the Perlman School of Medicine in Cardiovascular Physiology and teaches a diet and exercise class. She's published several papers on the effects of diet and exercise on vascular function, and she was listed several times by America's Top Docs and Philadelphia Magazine's Top Docs. Welcome, Helene, welcome back. Thank you, Marianne. It's great to be back. It's wonderful to have you. So let's get right to it, Helene. Cholesterol. What is it? We all talk about it. And what role does it play?
4: So cholesterol is a, it's essentially a waxy, fat-like substance. And it's not in and of itself, a bad thing. So we actually need a little cholesterol for normal cell function. Um, However, your body only needs a certain amount. And I try to remember people when we're talking numbers that most of us are born with a LDL or bad cholesterol level somewhere between 30 to 40 milligrams per deciliter. So these high numbers or even average numbers that we see tend to be cholesterol that we don't need. And too much cholesterol can be a problem because it can build up, particularly in places like your arteries. Um, cholesterol generally comes from two places. Your body makes it, so your liver makes cholesterol, and it makes about enough that you need. But the rest comes from our diet. So particularly animal products. Our body does generally absorb a limited amount, but certainly taking it in excess can lead to excess cholesterol buildup.
3: So what do the expressions LDL and HDL mean? It's a combination of protein and lipid and that carries the cholesterol, maybe?
4: That's exactly right. And cholesterol is broken down into certain parts, and I, I call it the good, the bad, and the fatty. So mm-hmm. when we talk about the total of the cholesterol, the total cholesterol, you look at you really want to look at your breakdown, and that's the LDL, the low-density lipoprotein. That's the bad cholesterol. That's the one that's dense and de- deposits into blood vessels. The HDL's the high-density lipoprotein, and the higher, the better. That's one. That one is con- considered protective. So the more HDL you have, the higher your total cholesterol may be. Um, And the triglycerides I call the fatty because that kind of depends on who you are. Do you have diabetes? Do you carry your weight in your middle? Are you obese? Do you have metabolic syndrome? Do you drink too much alcohol?
3: So that seems like one of the parts of the test of the total cholesterol count that can fluctuate. And so when you go to have your cholesterol levels checked, you want to be fasting before, if that's a concern, if your triglycerides have been up. Because I would think sometimes when you get a test like a cholesterol, you want to see it at its worst. When do you fast? When do you say to show up on a day and eat the way you usually do? Is that a something that you vary?
4: Yeah, so that's a good, great question. And we used to always ask that patients get their cholesterol panel done fasting to have an accurate calculation because most of the time, unless you ask, for, ask the laboratory to run a direct LDL measurement, what you're getting is a calculated LDL. In other words, the breakdown from the total cholesterol measured, the HDL measured, and the, H- and the triglycerides measured. So the equation is total cholesterol equals HDL, plus LDL plus triglycerides divided by five. So it can become an inaccurate set of numbers if the triglycerides are really high. So we'd like to see it fasting, especially if you're concerned about someone having triglycerides. Mm -hmm. The degree with which they raise after a meal can be meaningful. So if you get an unfasting cholesterol panel and the triglycerides are exceedingly high, that does tell you something. Um, But what we are really looking at is what is your triglycerides in the fasting state? Because meals do raise triglycerides.
3: Right. So you're born with a certain amount of HDL, and there's really no therapy that can improve or heighten the level of your HDL, you a good guy, right? You're just born with it or you're not?
4: So most of us have a hereditary component to what our HDL is going to be. Um, women who still have estrogen circulating, so premenopausal women, tend to have higher, higher HDLs because estrogen tends to lead to higher HDLs and that tends to drop off at menopause and postmenopause. Exercise can raise your HDL. However, I try to not have people uh, get too discouraged when their exercise doesn't translate into a significant increase. It really takes a lot of exercise to increase your HDL. Uh, Consuming the good fats can raise your HDL. Uh, One of the most important negative factors on HDL is smoking. So smokers have low HDL and they could fight the fight with all the salmon they want to eat and the running they want to do, but smoking really drives your HDL down. So there are some lifestyle things, but for the most part, it is hereditary.
3: So the goal more often is to lower the LDL, lower the bad guys, LDL and triglyceride. And you bring up a good point because I think most people realize- that hand in hand elevated fat in your diet is going to make you overweight or lead to obesity which can lead to type 2 diabetes excess sugar processed food all those things are on the no-no list a little here and there but for the most part we want to be careful that but alcohol can hurt your triglycerides underactive thyroid chronic kidney disease and pregnancy, third trimester, I don't think people necessarily realize those issues. And and some inflammatory conditions like rheumatoid arthritis play havoc with our cholesterol and lupus. Let's talk about those few things a little.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. And they're usually on my checklist when I see people for uh for cholesterol problems. And I go through that exact checklist you just did. How much alcohol do you consume? How much excess sugar? What type of fats do you eat? I always check the thyroid. So if someone's got cholesterol that's out of whack, I check their thyroid. Uh, And certainly other things like medications, other inflammatory disorders, like you mentioned, rheumatologic disorders, and pregnancy can also affect these numbers.
3: Mm -hmm. So then you look at these values. How do you decide what is significant if you know, because we all know that a number is relative. It's part of a, a bigger picture. And how do you calculate an individual's personal risk of cardiovascular disease, I guess is the question.
4: Yeah. So who you treat depends on who you are is sort of how I how I look at it. And we use a set of not just the cholesterol number itself. So it's not only cholesterol. And if you look at the guidelines, there are some absolute cholesterol values that say, look, this is just too high. No matter what your other risk factors are, we got to treat this LDL because the LDL is the bad cholesterol. This is the cornerstone of therapy for lowering your risk of heart disease and stroke. Your LDL is greater than 190. You deserve to be treated to, to lower your risk. Um, but there's a calculator that you can actually get on the website. It's on the ACC uh, website, tools.acc org. And it's the ASCVD risk calculator. Basically, what it looks at is all the parameters of risk. What age are you? What gender are you? Your blood pressure? Do you have diabetes? Do you smoke? Uh, and what are your cholesterol numbers? And it looks, it looks at those numbers and plugs into a calculation that predicts your risk of a heart attack or stroke at five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. If your risk is over 10%, for sure, you are likely to benefit from the treatment, particularly statin therapy. And even more data suggests that even over 7.5% risk is sufficient data that the benefits outweigh the, outweigh the risks for treatment.
3: Mm-hmm. Because as we discussed last week, we're treating borderline or stage one high blood pressure now. We don't wait till 140 over 90. We're going to the 130 plus and 80 plus. And diabetes, were a little bit... Uh, quicker to jump on pre-diabetes and therapy. So same thing here. So for our listeners, ACC stands for the American College of Cardiology, yes? And they have this tool that people can look at and plug in gender, age, all those good things. Atherosclerosis, that's what you're trying to avoid. We have about a minute to talk. get started with that. How would you define that for us?
4: So I think one really important point in one minute is that atherosclerosis is not built up of just cholesterol. So sometimes I have to say to people, look, you have atherosclerosis, whatever this LDL is, even if it looks kind of good, it's 100 and 110, it might not be good enough for you. And that's because atherosclerosis is not made up of just cholesterol, but other cells that cause the plaque buildup, inflammatory cells, white blood cells, smooth muscle cells, endothelial cells, and all these things can aggravate each other. All this inflammation and then oxidized cholesterol, they lump up and cause the plaque. So we know that treating that aggressively, sometimes independent of what your LDL looks like, can lower your risk of heart attack and stroke.
3: That just made me think, is that why a baby aspirin is helpful? Because it's helping with inflammation.
4: You're gonna have to invite me back because aspirin has become a controversial subject. Mm, Yes, indeed. For the most part, aspirin lowers those things and platelets as well. Um, But whether or not we should be using it for primary prevention, people who don't have heart disease, is more of a controversial subject.
3: Well, I'm gonna invite you back after this break and we'll continue from there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Terrific.
5: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Denny
6: Carice, Chief Science Officer at Recovery Centers of America, and I'm here as your addiction expert. I get asked a lot by family members, you know, my loved one had a problem with cocaine or heroin. Why can't they have wine with dinner with me? Because I like to drink wine and it wasn't my problem, right? Well. I think about it like this, there's a genetic component to addiction overall and there's lots of different genes, but if you've got it, you're going to have a predisposition towards addiction to many different things. But the reality is that somebody who had a problem with one drug is very likely to develop a problem with another drug or with alcohol. Look at it like that carnival game on the boardwalks, Whack-A-Mole, where they come up and you hit it down and another one pops up and you hit that one down. That's kind of what this is like, you don't want to have all the different addiction is coming up while you're whacking one down at a time. That's why people that have a problem with one drug really have to quit all mind-altering substances. So do yourself a favor, know that they've got to quit all the different mind-altering substances, and maybe if you don't really need that wine with dinner, you can support them by not having it. After all, they're doing their best to maintain their recovery. If you or a loved one has a problem with alcohol or drugs, call 1-888-RECOVERY today or go to recoverycentersofamerica.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. That number again is
1: 1-888-RECOVERY. I'm Lisa Thomas Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com/star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. Are you in-
5: This is Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie on Your Radio Doctor,
3: welcoming Dr. Helene Glassberg. Helene, we were talking about atherosclerosis, and it's not just buildup of plaque or or clogging from that fatty cholesterol. There are other elements that that, um, make it interesting. And if I-95 has a traffic jam, it's going to slow the traffic. If that lumen is narrowed because of plaque, the blood can't flow as well. And that's when people get symptoms of stroke, heart attack, et cetera. And um, how do we combat that? How do we look at that?
4: Yeah. So I like, I like your corollary of 95, because I think that's exactly right. There's a lot of factors coming into play as the flow of traffic goes down 95. And one of the earliest uh, problems with our blood vessels are their inability to vasodilate or endothelial dysfunction. So then you start to get narrowing. There's there's barriers on both sides of 95. And then you have some potholes where the lumpy bumpies are and the things start to get rumbled up and your tires start to get rough. And so cars start to slow down. And then stuff builds up where that occurs, right? So that's where all of this cascade of first the endothelium or the blood vessel lining isn't relaxing and then reactive cells show up to try and help out the process. But what really ends up happening is it attracts other cells, the endothelial cells, the smooth muscle cells, white blood cells, eventually even platelets, as we mentioned earlier, and can clog the whole system. And certainly oxidized cholesterol plays a major role in this. So treatment is targeted at, A, controlling those risk factors that start that whole process. What makes the blood vessel not be able to dilate or relax? All those risk factors we talked about, having uncontrolled diabetes, uncontrolled hypertension, smoking, being Mm -hmm. obese, physical Mm -hmm. inactivity. So control them.
3: So when we talk about a blood vessel, the one that needs to be able to that we're focusing on is the arteries. They're the the truck, the delivery truck, or they're not the truck. They're the highway. But we that is made of muscle, and that's when we say it dilates or it opens up, it relaxes so the blood can flow, or it constricts in certain circumstances. So it it's uh it's alive in itself. It expands, it contracts, and if it gets stiff from any of the conditions or it gets narrowed, then it can't expand and contract when it's supposed to, and that's what you're describing. So there are other factors other than cholesterol. And and you talk about plaque, that's that irregular, as you say, pothole or even a fallen tree in the middle of the road. And that plaque can a little flick of it can break off and travel, yes? Isn't that what causes strokes?
4: Yes, that's exactly right. And so that plaque rupture, whether it be towards the brain or even in the coronary artery, in the heart, that's most commonly what actually causes heart attack is plaque rupture. So that plaque being unstable and untreated is what leads to most sudden big heart attacks. And that's what we're targeting. We're trying to get at all those aggravating cells under there, not just the cholesterol number, but those inflammatory aggravated cells. And so controlling the risk factors and then using medications like statins. And the statin medications are really at the corner cornerstone of lowering this plaque buildup and preventing it from rupturing. So not only does it treat your numbers, it attacks those cells, it lessens the LDL cholesterol so that it can't be oxidized and aggravating, but it also directly affects the ability of that artery to relax and dilate, it lessens the inflammatory cell buildup. We know that it contributes to the whole process and lessens it in such a way that statins are indicated in people who have atherosclerosis even if their cholesterol doesn't look all that high
3: mm, sure so the statins are helpful because they tell your liver to produce less cholesterol and they also decrease inflammation so they're they're bipartisan they're very helpful <laughs> but i'm gonna say That is why sometimes when somebody's on a statin drug to lower their cholesterol, we might see changes in their liver studies, their liver blood tests. And if you see that, how much do you tolerate as the ordering physician say, well, we can see those values go up a little bit. Or at what point do you say, "Mm, it's irritating the liver too much. We have to do a different therapy.
4: Yeah. Fortunately, what we know now is that it doesn't look like this is actually a direct insult to the liver. So what I do is I prescribe the medication and in two to three months, I measure not only a repeat cholesterol to see if we're getting good result, but I add the liver enzymes to it. And what we're looking for are two of the two of the liver enzymes, we're looking at them to see if there's a significant increase, two to three fold increase. What we know, though, is this doesn't seem to be a permanent or, or, or damaging effect, but rather more of a chemical result, because most of the time, more than 95% of the time, you lower the dose or you stop the drug. Those things come back down to normal and no harm, no foul. Good so to know. It looks like really what we're not seeing is injury to the liver, but something that warrants monitoring.
3: Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that up because as a GI doc, we yeah. see that and we say, ah, so... You don't feel your cholesterol when it's elevated. So even children, we start checking cholesterol levels in children between, say, 9 and 11. Then again, maybe between 17 and 21. And then every several years, maybe every four to six years after that. But of course, you're going to decide to check at a different um, uh, interval if, if there are risk factors. So let's talk about familial or that inherited defect when people just are born with high bad guy levels, high LDLs. Tell us about that a little bit.
4: So as you mentioned, uh, screening begins generally at age 20, though sometimes a, a child, especially if they have obesity or diabetes or other risk factors or family history might get their cholesterol checked. Um, And there are a a lot of genetic variations to cholesterol disorders, but the one you're getting at, FH, familial hypercholesterolemia, is a very specific hereditary disorder. We care about this one because it carries a pretty significant increased risk in heart attack and, and coronary artery disease. So FH is an autosomal dominant inherited disorder. It's dominantly passed down. So you can either be homozygous or heterozygous, meaning you got both genes and you have of homozygous and your cholesterol's through the roof and your risk is quite high or your heterozygous you got one of the genes passed down and you still have quite high cholesterols not quite as if you had both genes and still at significant risk so depending on those numbers we generally treat fh or familial hypercholesterol emia very aggressively.
3: Mm -hmm. And I would guess that 90% of the time, patients don't know they have it. And so if you have the luxury, I always hand in my patients, know your family history, learn your family history, your Thanksgiving, ask what grandmom and granddad had, and uh, learn. Because if one person in the family has premature heart attack, or we know that Uncle John has a high LDL, every relative close to that patient So first degree means your siblings, your parents, your children. If a person has a high LDL, all the surrounding first degree relatives should be checked. Yes.
4: Absolutely. And there's a couple clues to FH. So the high LDL and LDL over 200, as you mentioned, family history. So I'll say, how early is early? Oh yeah, I had a, you know, my my brother had a heart attack at 36. Mm. My mother had a heart attack at 39. So premature heart disease, 30s, 40s, and sometimes 50s. There are some clinical clues too. Sometimes we find that the cholesterol, because it's in such excess deposits on the tendons. So I check people's tendons on their hands and their achilles tendons because it lumps up there i've had a patient come to me and say you know i've had these words on my achilles tendon for a very long time and what it was was ldl buildup she had fh Mm. Um, so there's some clues before you ever get the firm diagnosis.
3: And once in a while, you see the little cholesterol bumps around somebody's eyes, xanthalasma or xanthomas. So women, as you said earlier, are protected a wee bit from estrogen. So in these younger patients, they can have heart attacks in their 20s, I guess, but it's more likely to be super young in men and women. They're still premature, but maybe 10 years later when we see that rise in uh, heart disease in those family members, yes? That's exactly right. Hmm. So I want to squeeze in here before the segment's over. We, what are the cholesterol levels? We're we're in a culture of metrics. What do you consider normal for a cholesterol level, and when does your eyebrow go up and say, "Hmm, I have to follow this and maybe consider treatment"?
4: Yeah. So that's a very important question, but it's very variable. The answer is variable. So a total cholesterol, you know, can be 220 because your HDL is 100. Well, good for you. Mm. So it's very variable. So I always look at the breakdown. So while ideal LDL is 100, who we treat to 100 or less depends on who you are. If you have heart disease, you're getting treated to well under 100. If you don't have any risk factors, we may wait and watch.
3: There you go. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Helene Glassberg.
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
7: This is Emily Rubin dietitian from Jefferson, presenting you with your nutrition tip of the week. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected every aspects of our lives, especially when it comes to grocery shopping accessibility and our everyday meals. When ordering groceries online or shopping in stores, a lot of times we can't find some of our favorite foods. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner can be a struggle. And we add a combination of stress and boredom that we face every day, our diets can just become disastrous. So what can we do to plan ahead? Here are some quick, easy options that are cost-effective, healthy, balanced, gluten-free and lactose-free options for some of our people with special needs and also helps to maximize nutrients with less food waste. First of all, you can buy fruits and vegetables, either fresh and frozen, and you can add them to soups, stews, smoothies, especially before they go bad. If you have lots of chicken or meat, again, you could, when it's accessible, you could freeze it. You can make large batches of meatballs made from lean chicken or meat and freeze even half of them. And then leftovers can also be turned into pasta salads or pasta side dishes. With eggs, you can make a whole bunch of different kinds of foods, such as a frittata with fresh frozen veggies. Um, Hard-boiled eggs are a great great way to pack, protein-packed lunch. Or you can even make an egg salad with low-fat mayonnaise or low-fat salad dressing. In terms of milk, If you're lactose intolerant, lactose-free milk actually has a much longer shelf life than regular milk. Also, there's so many different kinds of plant-based milks out there. So there's soy milk, there's pea milk, there's almond milk, coconut milk, and all of them can be made or added to smoothies and even made with oatmeal. You can also buy some hard cheeses like cheddar parmesan. They're both naturally lactose-free and they can be eaten with a salad or eaten as a snack with our fruit. Greek yogurt can be made into a parfait. We could add nuts to it. We could add low-fat granola. It lasts, you know, two to three weeks as well. Canned beans are a great source of protein and fiber, and you can definitely buy the canned ones. And you can make chili, you can do soups, you can add, you can roast them in an air fryer or in an oven or even add to salads. If you're looking for some other meatless combinations, there's tofu or a lot of the meatless crumbles that are high in protein. They're usually frozen, and they can be added to tacos, stews, you can make into chili, and it tastes just like the real real item. So another great option is the plant-based pastas such as chickpea, lentil, pea pasta. It's extremely high protein, high fiber, gluten-free, and a great alternative to regular pasta. So we're wrapping up the nutrition tips of the week. This is Emily Rubin, Dietitian with Jefferson. For more information, you can log on to yourradiodoctor.com.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no copays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com/star. Every
2: year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
3: This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie. Colon cancer, number two cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. Join the Blue Lights Campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Info at bluelightscampaign.com. Stop cancer.
5: Get screened. When you have orthopedic issues, you need a physician who eats, sleeps, and breathes orthopedics you need an exceptionally specialized Rothman orthopedics physician. They not only specialize in orthopedics, each Rothman physician only focuses on one area of the body, which means you can have confidence that you can get past pain and be what you were. Schedule conveniently online at RothmanOrtho.com. That's RothmanOrtho.com. Are you in excruciating pain brought on by your son, daughter, or spouse suffering from addiction? You are not alone. If you call Recovery Centers of America today at 1-888-RECOVERY, your whole family can begin to recover. At Recovery Centers of America at Devon and Lighthouse, your loved one will be treated with care by expert addiction professionals, while family programming will give you support and healing so that you can recover as well. RCA accepts insurance, provides transportation, and offers intervention services. Call 1 888 Recovery now.
0: Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
3: Hey, we're back on Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Helene Glassberg. Helene, I know that you spend a lot of energy teaching patients about prevention, and we're gonna talk about treatment, especially diet. But before we go to that, we mentioned smoking. Smoking is just not good on so many levels and causes so many issues, diseases, cancers, but vaping, I really emphasize to my patients that vaping is not your friend either. For a time, it was promoted as a way to transition from smoking to non-smoking, but the risks multiply if people are doing a little of each. And we know that both smoking and vaping can lower your HDL, the good guy. So hands off of smoking, and that includes secondhand smoke, yes? We have to avoid that as well. Mm -hmm.
4: Absolutely. If there's one thing I tell people, they can cut the risk of so many things, oral cancer, lung cancer, heart disease, stroke, it's cigarettes. And vaping is really, we've had to undo the message. It really came out as, here's your great alternative smokers, here's the way to get off of it. And now what we're learning is, similar damage can be done sure and
3: physical activity we can't emphasize that enough that also as you mentioned earlier can lower your cholesterol and can help with your hypertension even if you don't lose weight so we wanted to emphasize that before we move on so let's talk about diet and exercise they are the things we do have some control over easier said than done you have to really commit um and you i know are a great cheerleader but genes we cannot pick our genes so how does that combination how do you present that to your patients
4: yeah so uh, i what i say is look we're going to focus on diet and exercise we're going to get that ldl down and that hdl up with with a with a good effort so diet and exercise with an emphasis on plant-based diet The good fats, the olive oils, the avocados, the nuts, the almonds, uh, the good fats help with the HDL and actually bring the LDL down and the triglycerides. Um, So a plant-based diet strong in the good fats and an exercise routine that's mostly emphasizing on aerobic exercise. So getting your heart moving. These things can raise the HDL with good effort and Most of us, even the best of us, can lower our LDL sometimes only by 15%, which gets back to the point that you can't beat your genes. So while you cannot always get your LDL to goal and your HDL up to 60 with diet and exercise, don't forget those other effects. It's not all about those cholesterol numbers. It helps those things we talked about earlier. It helps the blood vessel relax and vasodilate. It, it reduces inflammation. It undoes some of that atherosclerotic process. So the direct effects of diet and exercise. Ast- exercise should not be forgotten when we're looking at the numbers.
3: So when people hear conversations about what types of fat, the bad guys are saturated fats and they're saturated with hydrogen. That doesn't mean anything to the average person, but typically they're fats that are solid at room temp. Like my all-time favorite, butter. Like butter. I love butter. My My mother used to say, she lived through the depression, of course, that if you had a stick of butter in the house, you knew you were going to make it so so growing <laughs> yeah. up we my mother always made our if we had peanut butter and jelly there was butter on the bread first below the peanut, and there was butter on her spaghetti under the sauce, She butter on the cinnamon bun. So it was a hard habit for me to break. And when I first got married, I said, I'm switching to margarine. And then there was a time that they said, no, that's even worse than butter. Tell us about that in particular. I think people questioned about the types of fats, saturated, trans, they're the things you have to remember to eliminate. We like unsaturated, Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, so that's where things start to get really hairy because there's a lot of mixed messages out there. And I think a lot of of, uh, platforms have taken over. Oh, guess what? Coconut oil is good for you. And as I tell people, put it on your skin, don't eat it. And you also have to remember what happens to fats when you either heat it or refrigerate it so it can transform. But you're right. To start with, the animal fats are the big no-nos, so the butters and the lards, because we know that those animal products are just loaded with saturated fats. The trans fats, we sh- really shouldn't be even seeing anymore because our this country actually took a fine stand on trans fats, and we shouldn't be seeing them in our products. But the trans fats are in the things that, as I say, can sit on the shelves in the grocery store forever. If it can sit on the shelf forever, it's probably got a trans fat in it, Aww. right? So those, those baked goods, they're the ones we want to stay away from. The tricky ones are the ones that sound like they're kind of not animal, not trans, the tropical oil the palm oils, the coconut oils, and, uh, you know, coconut oil's gone in and out of phase, but it it really has never been proven to be beneficial and is very likely one of those harmful ones. So we're looking at the polyunsaturated. We want to go with the olive oils, the soybean oils. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well,
3: and I think, too, if a person were to try to um, be on a good, healthy diet, let's say 2,000 calories a day, is there a marker of grams of fat per day that you should keep in the ballpark, 11 to
4: 13? Well, yeah, that's probably right. We're working on that, Mm -hmm. right? So we've gone from the old Heart Association recommendation where it said no fat, it's gotta be all carbohydrates. They weren't wrong in their percentages. So back then, I can't even remember the exact breakdown, but it was like 60% carbs, 30% protein, 10% fat. We said no fat. They were right about the idea because what they were trying to get at was lowering calories. So if you remember that for every gram of fat, you're getting nine calories, whereas with carbs, you're only getting three-ish. So we were trying to get to calories, but then the industry, the food industry, took us out and said, well, here's all the carbs you want. All the cookies on the shelf said "non-fat cookies. So we came up with these unhealthy processed carbs products. And so it kind of swung us to, okay, we got to go low carb. And in some regards, we do. So those bad carbs are the dense carbs. Um, But we still got to bring it back in and remember that if you lower fat, you're lowering cholesterol and hopefully eliminating some of those bad fats.
3: Well, I always feel sorry for uh, patients with diabetes because they buy a lot of sugar-free products. What makes the product taste better? We add fat. So they, they get stung in both directions I mean that's really a tough balance to to handle but I love again the American Heart Association website heart.org is great it's very user friendly easier to navigate and they have a whole section called cooking to lower cholesterol and I think a lot of things we're discussing are described very clearly there just as you say there are certain fish we had we didn't even get to talk about um, omega-3s. Um, in salmon, trout, herring, and you mentioned avocados, olives, walnuts, um, and when you choose um, an oil for cooking, of course, olive oil, but how about canola? Is that a, a decent choice if you're... Mm-hmm? Absolutely.
4: Mm-hmm. Soybean, canola, saff- safflower oil, these are all the good oils. Mm-hmm. I wanted
3: to mention some of the misconceptions that are listed in um, that sometimes people think, oh, we already talked about children being tested at least twice before the age of 21. Uh, Children can have high cholesterol levels if they're inherited. The other thing you talked about last week that was so clever is being skinny fat. If somebody's thin, it doesn't mean that their cholesterols are safe or that they're in shape. So thin people can have high cholesterol levels as well. Um, And then only men have to worry, no women's cholesterol levels could catch up with us after menopause. So we, you know, we watch that too. So I want to give you this, the rest of the segment to talk about the the CAC, coronary, coronary artery calcium test.
4: Yeah, so we're getting really focused on risk factors and cholesterol numbers. And sometimes we're left on the fence. So sometimes someone comes in with a minor risk factor, or maybe just a family history, and their LDL is kind of borderline. And you plug in your ASCVD risk calculator that I mentioned on that ACC site, and it says your risk prediction's 7%. And you're somewhere in between 5 and 7.5%. That absolute, hey, you would benefit from a, a cholesterol-lowering medication. And so we've dis- we found that there are some novel markers of risk, and the calcium score is one of those markers of risk that helps us better determine, A, what your risk is, and B, if you might benefit from treatment. So basically what the coronary artery calcium score test is just that. It's a CT scan that looks for calcium. Now, there's a couple things that I always remind people when they're getting this test. What it doesn't tell you is two really important people things that people go into it thinking they're going to get out of it. One that they're going to see if there's a narrowing. So it does not show you if there's narrowing. As I explain it to patients often, you know how your ribs look on an x-ray? They're mm-hmm. all calcium. They're bright and everything else is light. So it, all it does is quantify how much is lighting up as calcifying and it assigns you a number, an x-ray number of how much calcium is there and then it's grouped into low risk at your number can be zero, a hundred, a 1, thousand, cetera. But the other thing to remember is it doesn't see soft plaque. So soft plaque is not seen on a calcium score. However, if you have any calcium, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So if there's calcium there, there's got to be soft plaque because that's where it starts. When I talked about atherosclerosis buildup and I said it's on this sort of continuum where first the artery can't relax and then the, the, the potholes develop and then the stuff builds up, well, you don't get to calcium until later. So it's important to remember that this calcium score test doesn't see soft plaque, but it sure predicts its presence. And this test can be used to better predict risk and determine if you'll, better, you'll benefit from statin therapy.
3: So again, you're looking at the whole chessboard, and you say, it's interesting you mentioned somebody who's borderline, just over 200, but if they have a high calcium, car, um, coronary calcium count combined with another risk factors, certainly if somebody's already had heart disease, that puts them in a totally different category, um, how often would you say primary care docs, do primary care docs order that uh, CAC, or is that pretty much cardiologists?
4: Yeah, no. So, a lot of patients come my way because their primary care doctor did order it. And that's why I try to make people very educated about what the test is for and who it should be ordered in. And so, you just made the best point of all. You shouldn't get the test if you already know you have coronary disease, because of course you're going to see calcium. It doesn't change management. If you're already going to be committed to therapy because your LDL is 190 or you have uncontrolled diabetes and you're already on statin therapy and you are targeting your LDL to 70, it's not going to add much information you're likely to have some calcium and we already know what we need to do and you're
3: and you're exposed to radiation let's take a little break and we'll be right back with dr helene blasberg
0: your radio doctor with dr marianne ritchie is presented exclusively by independence blue cross
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision and hearing benefits with no copays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait, visit ibxmedicare.com/star Every
2: year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
3: This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie. Colon cancer, number two cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. Join the Blue Lights Campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Info at bluelightscampaign.com.
0: and Sixers.
3: And in our final segment of your radio doctor, Dr. Helene Glassberg, what is the take-home message for our listeners?
4: So we're gonna we're gonna stick to diet and we're gonna say go fiber. So you and I share our common um, cheerleading squad for fiber because <laughs> fiber really does have a lot of benefits for 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 all the body systems. Um, soluble fiber helps lower fat absorption, which can translate into lowering your weight or help weight management. Um, it can help lower blood pressure, reduce inflammation, and can help raise the good HDL cholesterol. Um, Fiber curbs overeating, so it fills you up without being fattening. So things like broccoli and cauliflower, fibers, I think, are are the take-home message today.
3: Well, and as you say, too, it can block absorption of fat and cholesterol. And from the GI Josephine, that's what my patients call me, the GI Josephine point of view, fiber empties more slowly, so you fill up more quickly quickly. And as you say, you're gonna eat less, that helps with weight management, which helps with diabetes potential and blood pressure and all those negative things. So the fiber also helps your GI tract relax. It doesn't have to bench press to empty. So you're gonna be less likely to get diverticulosis. We also know, not exactly why, but it decreases risk for colon cancer. So go fiber. Or go home. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, I read a great article the other day. You know, is an apple a day really truthful? It sounds like it is because if it helps cardiovascular risk and it helps your GI tract to behave and not become diverticulosis city, I like it. So eat the apple a day. But apples also, um, the, I read an article that, um, of course, they have antioxidants, which help lower blood pressure in a different way, but um, grapes too. Not only is it the uh, uh, gut resveratrol, but it also changes the, the gut biome, all this attention now on, on uh, bacteria in our gut. So fast forward, you are looking so forward because you are a big helper and volunteer and officer and all those good things with the American Heart
4: Association. And April 7th, heart ball. April 7th, heart ball. And Wearing we- my red. Tell us about that. So the Heart Ball is really a a big gathering to celebrate what we've been working towards always, but particularly starting in February when it's Heart Month, all the efforts of the Heart Association, uh, hopefully raising some money to support all their causes. They really channel their energies into so many avenues, from the research that's necessary to talk about what we're talking about today on atherosclerosis and fiber, to the community outreach efforts, what they, what they do in the local community. We, uh, last year they, they put um, CPR kits in the schools in Philadelphia. So the outreach is far and wide in the Heart Association, and so the Heart Ball is the coming together of all the people that are interested in supporting this big cause.
3: Right. And just as you say, in the community, um, making AEDs or defibrillators available on playgrounds and at schools and and teaching CPR classes, so essential. Um, so I always love it when we have good websites to refer our listeners. Heart.org is so filled with great information. Learn about the Heart Ball, donate to the American Heart Association. And I think at the Heart Ball, from what I hear, their dessert that night is going to be apples and grapes.
4: <laughs> you and I will be having those for yeah. sure. Yeah,
3: and the, and the hors d'oeuvres, or as my children say, the horse d'oeuvres, are going to be raw <laughs> carrots, raw broccoli, raw Brussels sprouts. Mmm, yummy.
4: <laughs> they break. I think they break the rules a little bit at the heart ball, but they sure speak the message well.
3: Well, they'll put a little chocolate on the uh, apple and grapes for dessert. Yes, they do. Dr. Helene Glassberg, what a pleasure to have you. We learned so much. And we're going to have to have you back again because there is a lot left to cover in terms of heart disease and prevention. So thank you so much.
4: Thank you, Marianne. I love doing this with you. The dialogue is great. I think we really get our message out there. So let's keep going. I heart you. I heart you back. Thank (laughs) you.
3: And now for Your Real Champion, I call this segment Faith of Our Fathers. The Latin word vocatio means a calling. From Latin, we derive the words vocal and vocation. Most people in life are fortunate if they hear the call to one vocation, which becomes a passion. Here's the story of a man who had the grace to respond to three separate calls and do them all with great dedication and humble service. Jim Cardosi. Grew up in the Philadelphia area, attended Bishop Kenrick High School, and was thrilled to earn an appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy. He looks back on his plebe year, their freshman year, as one of the hardest years of his life. But the discipline he mustered to make it through would provide the fuel he needed for future life challenges. While on a weekend leave, he attended a picnic at the home of a classmate and met Cindy, his future bride. Six months after graduation, they were married at the magnificent Naval Academy Chapel, then built a beautiful family which included five children. During his 28 years of active duty as a Navy pilot, Cindy ran a tight ship at home. She loved being a mother, paying the bills, supporting his career, even through many occasions of separation with Navy duty. But in her mid-40s, Cindy developed a shift in her personality. Initial subtle changes like lack of interest in the kids' activities grew to a zero tolerance for Jim's military career. Jim left the Navy life he loved and began to fly for FedEx. Doctors couldn't explain the clinical picture, but by end of 2005, a neurologist made the diagnosis of Pick's disease, a form of dementia similar to Alzheimer's but far less common and can affect patients as young as age 20 involving parts of the brain that control emotions, behavior, personality, and language. Jim then retired so he could care for Cindy full-time. After two and a half years, Cindy passed away at the age of 51. Jim was crushed, but the grieving process had begun long before Cindy died. On that fateful morning, he knelt in prayer with gratitude that he was able to be there for her. She was a great blessing. Jim was very happily married, expecting a long life growing old with her. But he said, that's not what God had planned for us. After two years in discernment, Jim spoke in prayer, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. His faith had always been his foundation. And when he brought his now grown children together to share his plan to become a priest, they weren't surprised. Even his daughter's friends had predicted that plan. Jim says Cindy taught him the meaning of selfless love and deepened his sense of gratitude. Five years after his goodbye to her, Jim heard another call. It was time to give back. In 2011, he was accepted to the seminary in Weston, Massachusetts, where others with a delayed vocation also began studies later in life. He was even reunited with a fellow classmate from his high school days. After two years of study, he was given permission to return to Philadelphia, the city he left at age 18 and now returned 40 years later. He compares it to his, quote, sojourn in the desert, unquote. Jim believes it was God's grace that helped him balance coursework, family life, pastoral assignments, and sees himself as an instrument of the Lord. Now, as Father Jim Cardosi, he describes joy as more than a feeling of happiness. It's an attitude. He found joy in caring for his wife, children, now grandchildren, and continues caring for his 91-year-old mother each week. He found joy in serving his country, and he now finds joy in serving thousands of people in his flock at St. Dennis Roman Catholic Church in Havertown, and that sense of joy is what gives him peace. We salute you, Father Jim Cardosi, your real champion, and we thank you for your service to our country and for serving as a father in so many ways. Thank you for listening at our new time here on Saturdays at five o'clock. A special thank you to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross and for support from recovery centers of America and Rothman orthopedic Institute. We're very happy to welcome our two new weekly contributors who are adding great content and value to our message. Dr. Denny Carice, chief science officer from recovery centers of America is your addiction expert and Emily Rubin, Registered Dietitian is your nutrition tip. Both sharing valuable information on timely topics. With the pandemic, more and more people need help with recovery from addiction and controlling their weight after being restricted in activity and access to healthy food. Visit our website to hear one of several options, the entire show, or you can repeat one of the segments, your real champion, your addiction expert, or your nutrition tip. Send us an email with questions for our experts, topics you'd like to hear, or stories of real champions in your world. Send messages to info at yourradiodoctor.net. That's info at yourradiodoctor.net. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Friends, the entire country is facing a shortage of blood. Please consider donating your blood or platelets. Visit the American Red Cross website, at redcross.org. That's redcross.org. The other big announcement, the American Cancer Society is seeing an alarming number of cancer screenings which have been delayed or missed because of the pandemic. Know that it is safe to return to medical centers for all your checkups, whether it's a sick visit to an emergency department, a sick visit to your doctor's office, a routine checkup for your child, or a cancer screening. If you've missed an appointment, Call and schedule it today. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie, grateful to our faithful listeners and for the arrival of spring. Stay with us every Saturday at 5 o'clock. Invite a friend to listen on 1210 WPHT or stream it using any device with the app, odyssey.com forward slash listen, because I'm here to remind you that your health is your
5: wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating philly's most popular plan don't wait visit ibx star
2: every year medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system keystone 65 offers hmo plans with a medicare contract enrollment in keystone 65 medicare advantage plans depends on contract renewal this is a paid endorsement
3: this is your radio doctor marianne ritchie colon cancer Number two, cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. Join the Blue Lights Campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at Info at Stop cancer. Get screened.